Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts and minds with the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Thank you that he's Lord of the universe. And we just pray that our souls would not get shy, but we would let the lion roar in every way that we live in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so quick, uh, that was the, me- the message. A lot of the message was the video. I want to talk about missions, and the purpose of missions is to make the nations glad. And what makes us glad is when our souls are redeemed, we have peace with God, and we understand who he is and who we are. And so um, just quickly, and, and Chandi touched on it during the communion, Missions is spreading the love and the blessing of God everywhere we go. Uh, we have it written on the wall. And, you know, I think in the mid-90s, we made this like a church motto, experiencing the love of God and giving it away. If you haven't, because you can't give it away if you haven't experienced it. Once you've experienced it, you can only give it away. And it's a verbal clause. It's not a sentence. It's a way of life. Okay, so it's like breathing. All right, we don't just breathe and stop. I breathed. Could be put, you could put that on the epitaph on a tombstone. I breathed. <laughs> oh, should have kept breathing. All right, so, uh, so Abraham, God, God chose a, you know, an idolater, an idol maker living in Ur named Abram, Genesis 12:1 to begin this whole thing of redeeming the earth. And the Lord, Yahweh, said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land I will show you, which he didn't know anything about. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation. He's saying this to a 75-year-old man who has no children. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Okay. And, God, and Abram followed, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I, him I, I will curse, and in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, later in Genesis 22, speaking to one of Abram's descendants, he said, and in your offspring, all the, fam- in your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This phrase gets picked up. Writ, you know, Paul writes to the Galatians these words, Galatians 3.8, Scripture, the Word of God, Scripture as a person. By the way, did you know that Scripture is a person? His name is Jesus. Okay, Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you all the nations will be blessed. And so we have this, so what is the, the, what is missions? Missions is that in us, in our lives, in the way we live, the nations will be blessed. Well, wait a minute. That was to Abram. He was blessed by God. And I want to say what you have is so much better than anything Abram ever dreamed of. If he, well, maybe he dreamed of it. I, I don't want to say that. I, I could be wrong. Ephesians, Paul writing to the Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great family in the Trinity? (laughs) And God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, that includes you, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So Abram was blessed with an amazing blessing. You have been blessed with blessings that exceed the blessing of Abram. You've been blessed with every blessing. 
in spiritual places, blessings you've never explored, blessings you've never dreamed about or that have not yet been revealed to you, you are way more blessed than you understand. And I say that to myself. I'm pointing at you, but I have three fingers pointing back at me. I am way more blessed than I understand. I have way more authority than I understand. I have way more security than I understand, and so do you. You are blessed with every blessing in spiritual places. This is a good thing to say, God, would you just show me some of them, especially the ones I need that I don't know about, because I want to receive them and walk in them. Would you agree with that? Any of you think your life could be more like Jesus in the earth? Okay, Holy Spirit, come. Release the kingdom of God in our hearts. Reveal to us who we are, who you are in Jesus' name. So next week we have this offering. That's what we like to, we're gonna be presenting a little bit more next week. And it's always such a blessing. It's, a, it's like, these are like holy days, these days of offerings. They're not, they're not dreadful days. They're amazing days because what the seed you sow will change the earth. You'll receive eternal reward. So we could just say, you know, simply that missions is that we're, we are blessed to be a blessing. And I, I love Psalm 67. Uh, Psalm 67 is all about missions. And it's interesting, the prerequisite for missions is right in verse one, Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us <laughs> and make his face shine upon us. Now, you know, and then it says, there's a selah, there's like an interlude, like let it soak in. So it is totally legal and it's not selfish to say, God bless us. Because if you're not blessed, then you cannot bless others. Make your face shine upon us. Cause your blessing to be so great that it's like a light shining on our lives, on our home, in our neighborhood. And that's how we become a witness to the reality of his great salvation. That, that our neighbors notice something different about you. And, you know, they no doubt notice your humanity, no doubt notice your flaws, but they will see over and over and over again, in spite of your humanity, in spite of your flaws, there's this strange and inexplicable peace and blessing that rests on you and on your children. Speak it over your life. It's the promise of God. It, this is, so bless us, make your face shine upon us. Why? So that your way may be known upon the earth, starting in our neighborhoods. Your saving power, your power to deliver, heal, and bless to the nations, starting in our neighborhood. And what, so the purpose is you know, that we receive it so that we can give it away. The purpose of missions is that, every, that people recognize this and it draws them to God that you're like the, you're the bait that brings people to Jesus. Your life is the bait. You're, they're watching you. They're listening to you at work. They're noticing. <laughs> no pressure. 
You know, the pressure isn't to try to be good because you'll always fail. The pressure is to be filled with God. I won't say pressure, I'll say the invitation is ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ask him to saturate you. Ask him to inhabit your body so that it's the temple of the Holy Spirit and to clothe you in power so that there is a, it, an invisible fire that's burning all over your body. Now you're talking. <laughs> that tongues of fire came and sat upon them, not little candles, but like they were being clothed with power and prepared to become witnesses everywhere they went, places that they didn't want to go. Just ask me, I'll tell you all about it. Okay, let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you, that the nations be glad. This is God's heart for that you would be, that people would live abundant lives, that the image of God would be fulfilled in every nation. And sadly, out of eight point something billion human beings on this planet, even though Christianity is the largest nominal monotheistic faith on earth, the, va- the majority of people don't know who they are, what the image of God is. And it's, and it's our great privilege to to change that by living in love. <laughs> it's like, this is a really simple plan. And then, and go where he sends us. All right, now, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. In other words, as, as the gospel penetrates a nation, their laws change, things shift. We are watching in our nation a backward direction of laws that are being made worse, not better, because the penetration of the light in the darkness has been eaten up by very deliberate, you know, very deliberate warfare of the enemy. So it seems like, well, that doesn't sound very good. No, what it means is you're living at the best time ever. You could see the tide change in your generation. You could see the nation return to righteousness in your generation. You can lift your voice. Don't be shy. There's the lion of the tribe of Judah inside your lungs waiting to speak, waiting to shine, waiting to love. And he fights the battle. We just show up. Oh, okay. Let the people praise you, O oh God. Let all the people praise you. The impact of missions is a worldwide transformation that the earth has yielded its increase, literally that the earth is blessed. This is, you know, the vision as David is writing this or singing this, the vision is a return to the conditions of Eden, but not, not just Eden in a little spot in wilderness every place else, but that the conditions of Eden become the conditions of the whole earth. It's not over till it's over. You say, well, I don't know if the Lord will come back before then. He, you know, he very well might. He might come back today. <laughs> and I wish, I hope you're all ready, I, you know, to meet the Lord. I hope I'm ready. But what if he doesn't? Then we're not gonna just sit and wait We're going to work with joy. We're going to work because we have a God who fills us with energy, fills us with hope, fills us with vision, and you have the power in your heart, in your mouth, in your hands to bring healing and life wherever you go. I'm just saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. And the end result is wherever love and the wisdom of God comes down, the earth yields its increase. There's regeneration. God, our God, shall bless us 
This is a promise. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. In other words, worldwide harvest. All right. So if we were going to say, well, what is missions? Make it really easy. There's two really important words that Jesus used. They are as and so. And so there's, to put, make it really simple, missions is the redeeming love of God going out from us to those who need it. Okay, John 15, verse 9, these are the Last Supper discourse, the upper room. This is the John 15, I'm the true vine, I'm the true Israel, I'm the true source of life, I am the true vine, and my father's the vine dresser. Like, you see all the pruning going on? That's the father's job. I'm the source of life, all right? As, but he says this in verse 9, as the father loved me, how much does Jesus love you? He doesn't love you like you're the cutest puppy he ever found. You know how people, you know, you give a a cute puppy to a a nine-year-old child, boy or girl, either one, it'll work. That puppy will be, they'll dream about it. Think about it. They'll let it lick their face everywhere. And I always think, where has that tongue been? You know, like, whoo, you know, I don't know. Don't lick my nose. (laughs) Anyway, that's just me. I haven't died from a puppy lick ever. But, but, you know, people get very attached to things in a cute way, but he is not loving you like you're a cute puppy. Listen to this. As the Father has loved me in all eternity, as God the Father loving God the Son with, with oceanic, uh, endless, eternal, uncreated, perfect love, and the Son loving the Father back. And it's this... It, the, the atmosphere, the society of the Trinity is pure joy, pure love, and the Holy Spirit brings that same love to us and pours it into our heart. But that's the love that Jesus loves us with. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. In other words, the Father loves the Son as God. The Father loves Jesus, the Son, as his perfect image in the earth. When he so his love for us is the same love that the father has for the son. He loves Edgar with the same love. The father loves Jesus loves Edgar with the same love the father loves him with. It's just off it's like beyond computation. We we can't it's it's beyond words. It's language can't contain the love that God has, the quality of love. And then he says, live in it. Abide in my love. Live there. I'm telling you, if you, if you, can, if you can fulfill those four words, abide in my love, you will have the most amazing life that will radically change time and eternity. In, in verse 12, same chapter, 15, 12, He says, this is my commandment. Now, first in verse nine, he says, live in my love. Live in this love, this titanic, oceanic love beyond, you you can't comprehend it. Live there. And then he gets to verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. It's impossible. It's supernatural. All things are possible with God. 
Can you imagine, Angela, if Rodson loved you with the love that Jesus loves him with? Man, you'd be the happiest woman on the planet Earth. Yeah, it's, all, it's almost there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just, just keep abiding, Rodson. You know, it's just like this is, it, but this is it. This is what he's calling us to, this, this life that's just in a, it's in a different dimension. It's what holiness means. You're outside of the natural order. Uh, the, and this is missions, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Wait, what did he command us? Oh, this is my commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. Isn't that what Marcus Young said? I'm teaching them to love their enemies. I'm teaching. So this is, this is missions. That love goes out. This is the, how do we disciple people? By teaching them to live in love. And so I love this in, in John 20, 21. This is the great commission in the language of John. And Jesus said to them, peace be with you, shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything you need to fulfill your assignment. As the Father, here's the as and the so, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And he's not only speaking to the ones gathered in the room, he speaks to our hearts. And he says, go. 1987, he told Anne and me, go to Pennsylvania. We were in terrible condition. When we got here, it was even worse than we could have imagined. We didn't imagine much, but it was worse than that. And it was like, we didn't know anybody, we didn't know why we were here, we just thought we were here to be punished. Like, okay. What's my crime? You know, we had culture shock. We were traumatized before we left. What a way to get healed. I, you know, <laughs> kind of like chemotherapy, <laughs> four rounds, you know, but you know what? And, and when we look at what God did through that act of obedience, he sent us. <laughs> See, so... Can you imagine eternal God who enters a human body in a womb as an embryo, becomes a baby, learns to speak, lives sinlessly so that he can die as a criminal, as a slave, to take away all your crimes and all your bondage and set us free. This is wild. This is the good news. Okay, so this is what missions is. Missions transforms culture in, in every, every area. But the main thing that, that transforms human beings is what we recognize what God has done for us. That in his incarnation, he establishes the dignity. What he did, you were worth it. As an individual, you were worth it. As a great company, we're all worth it. But as an individual, you were worth it. That's the dignity you have as a human being, that the creator of the universe would become what you are. He who knew no sin would become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God and be brought back 
to the original intention. It's amazing. You know, it's interesting. This isn't a slam against Muslims by any mean. I, you know, I, have, I know, have know many very nice Muslims, and, um, but do you know that Islam as a system denies God the capacity to become a human? It's blasphemy to them. And they sing the song multiple times every day that God that has no son. It denies the very reality of the Trinity, that God has a son from all eternity who became a human to set us free so that he could have sons and daughters in a multitude that no man could number. Jesus, thank you. Far from violating God's dignity, the incarnation was the ultimate proof of God's kindness and man's dignity that opened the possibility of a man or a woman becoming a child of God. It's the divine beauty, it's what we contemplate. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that as we, as we contemplate, as we reflect, as we, we behold the glory of God, that we're transformed into the same glory, from glory, to, from one degree of glory to another. And then in the chapter four, it says that the light of God, who, sh- light that, who commanded light to shine in the darkness, enlightens our hearts so that we can see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I purposed to know only Christ and him crucified when I came to you. He's writing in this context that, that God dying on the cross reveals the full glory of God. His resurrection reveals the full glory of God. But I'm never offended by crucifixes. I know some people are because they say, oh, it's a dead Jesus. I'm saying, no, that's his gift to me that set me free. He's alive, but he did die. And I need to understand what he died for. He died for me. He took my sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Eke agnus dei qui tollet peccata mundi in Latin, in case anybody needs that. But since it's a dead language, there might be someone dead here. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) the the gospel transforms nations. It delivers us into creativity. It it releases the music. It, It released technology to set people free from drudgery. It, you know, it just on and on and on and on. Science, the development of morality, which releases prosperity, that only Christianity brought monogamy, which establishes the the safety and the dignity of women and children within the family unit. On and on it goes. Compassion for the poor. Medicine comes out of the, 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 personality of Jesus, the stories told in the gospel of caring for the one who is beaten and bruised and needs help. And just, I mean, even political liberty comes as as the outworking of internal freedom that the gospel comes to set us free. On and on it goes. But what I want to end with, before you're worn out, before your brain shuts off and you wonder wait, how am I going to invite that guy to lunch that I was talking to earlier? I want to wrap it up. Okay, who is missions? And I just want to say, the glorious truth about who is missions is 
revealed when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, chapter one, verse 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Like God didn't look for the, you know, it's like when Samuel came to Jesse and said, bring all your sons here. And he said, wow, they're good looking. It must be that one. It wasn't. It was the one that the dad didn't even bother inviting. You know, (laughs) the youngest was with the sheep. God chose the foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Why? So that no human being might boast in the presence of God And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So in other words, he can pick the ones that no one recognizes as qualified and choose you. God chose, God chose, God chose. Isn't that amazing? Um, Earlier, David was, he quoted William Carey, who became a, you know, very famous, we call him the father of modern missions. He, he, but as a young man, he, was a, he stammered. His speech was he, was, a, he was a shoemaker's apprentice. He married, uh, he married a girl named Dorothy who was mentally ill. He never, he finally, but... You know, he just kept working, working, taught himself to read Latin and Dutch and French and several other languages and became a school teacher, became qualified, pastored a little tiny church. But he had this passion for world missions that he got from reading the journal of Captain Cook's, uh, you know, exploration of the South Pacific. Other people said it was a bestseller. It was full of wild adventures, but... It pierced his heart. What about all the people who've never heard the gospel? It birthed the great mission movement. But I want to read about a no one here. And uh, you can stand up, actually, because this won't be very long. No one would have ever guessed that one day scrawny little Agnes would light up the world. Like most folks in her poverty-stricken European country, She seemed doomed to a dead-end life. After her widowed mother had exhausted herself trying to find an eligible bachelor for her mousy girl, Agnes announced that God had called her to be a missionary. Everyone said she was crazy, but at 18, Agnes headed for the faraway city of Dublin, Ireland. After learning a little English, she moved to Asia, where she spent years going from one school to another school and seemed like she would spend her whole life teaching school children. But after many years, she was sent on a spiritual retreat by her spiritual overseer to a nearby city. And there everything changed when she stumbled upon the worst slums on earth. Overwhelmed by the poverty and disease, at at 36 years of age, the small woman heard Jesus tell her, bring my light to this place of darkness. And she called other women to join her in ministering to the poorest outcasts of India. 
The world doesn't know her as Agnes because after committing herself to ministry, she changed her name to Teresa, patron saint of missionaries. Who would have guessed that the Gallup poll would declare this pint-sized Albanian woman the most admired woman of the 20th century? Or that her order would grow to 4,500 sisters in 153 countries, and it's bigger than that now, giving themselves to the poorest of the poor. Who would believe that from her one-room cell in in a Calcutta convent, she would oversee a worldwide network of hospitals, hospices, aid centers, orphanages, and schools? When Mother Teresa won the Nobel Prize, reporters asked her, how we should promote world peace. She shocked everyone with her simple answer, go home and love your families. It's where the kingdom of God begins, huh? When they asked her to describe herself, she replied, by blood I'm Albanian, by citizenship Indian, by faith a Catholic nun. But as to my calling, I belong to the world. And as to my heart, I belong entirely to Jesus. When a delegation of nuns came to Calcutta to discover the secret of Mother Teresa's success, the head of one order asked, why are you growing while so many other orders are dying? Mother Teresa quietly replied, I give them Jesus. I know that, replied the woman impatiently, but can you be more specific? Do your sisters object to wearing habits? What about the rules of your order? How do you enforce them? Only one thing matters. I give them Jesus, she replied again. Yes, yes, persisted the woman, but there's got to be more. Teresa walked up to the woman and said in her sternest voice possible, I give them Jesus, there is nothing more. (laughs) And by giving Jesus only a humble nun from a backwater place changed the world, so can we. We just need to remember, religion can't change anyone. Jesus is the one. Thank you, Lord. So I just want to pray for you. This is missions. This is how we live. Our friend Bill Johnson, many times I heard him say that when I come in contact with someone, I owe them one thing, that they have an encounter with Jesus. And... uh, If you think that you have to give them a full exposition of Jesus, the theology of the Trinity, of creation, of incarnation, resurrection, eternity, that it'll be way too hard. But if you realize that to give them Jesus, all that is needed is that you love the one in front of you with the love that he has for you. That's pretty easy, isn't it? This is the Great Commission. (laughs) As the Father sends Jesus, he sends us. So just lift your hands. I'm gonna pray for you that you hear God's voice when you're praying over this. You know, of course, we, we pray you know, we'd love to have a big offering because it means more things, more projects, more missionaries, more people that we can reach. But there's no pressure just that you would hear him.
that it would be in your heart or you might hear a number. It might just be a desire you have in your heart. And there's no pressure. Be sure to write in the, the people that you're believing for, your mission field, who you want to be saved. You know, and uh, it's going to be amazing next week. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would pour the love of God out in every heart right now, right now, right now. Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would pour this uncreated, endless love into each heart here in this room, that it would fill our homes, that we would go home and love our families. And this would be the foundation for change. Pray, Jesus, that you would show yourself close to each one. You said, as the Father sent you, you send us, and you said you're with us always, even to the end of the age. I pray for each one here that even if they don't hear you, they feel you. They're aware of your presence, aware of your protection, aware of your guidance, aware of your provision. I pray your blessing would be on your people, that you would bless us and keep us, make your face shine on us, be gracious to us, make us aware that your face is turned toward us, that we're the apple of your eye. I pray that you would put your peace upon us, that in this world we would have your peace that overcomes every tribulation. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. <laughs> it's good news. He's the king of the universe.